Ladies and gents, my name is Brandon Stover. Welcome to the How to Solve Climate Change course from Plato University. Causes, systems, obstacles, solutions to this global challenge is what you're going to learn here today. When you're ready to learn more skills, join us for free at Plato.University. Let's get started with today's lesson. We'll have our expert guests briefly introduce themselves and their credentials for why they are able to speak to this topic. So my name is Joshua Rhodes. I'm a research scientist at the University of Texas at Austin and a non-resident fellow at Columbia University, where I study energy systems and how they interact with, with society at large. And in general, specifically about smart grids, it was the topic of my dissertation work. So I looked at how all of the highly granular data sources that were emanating off of, you know, all these smart things and devices and other stuff on the system could be used to, you know, reduce energy use and other types of, of things like that. And could you explain to us what smart grids are from a first principles perspective? So to talk about smart grids, let's first talk about dumb grids, or <laughs> no one really calls them dumb grids, but uh, the traditional grids that we, we think of. So these are these can be things like the electricity sector, water sector, natural gas sector. These are basically conduits for moving either energy or some kind of energy carrier from where it's either being produced or stored to where it's being consumed. And so most people in this, in this case, they think about electricity. And so electricity is produced at, you know, power plant. Traditionally, it's produced at power plants. It goes on big transmission lines and then it gets on the small lines that, you know, maybe run it down to your home or apartment. What the smart grid does is it puts an information overlay on top of that and it allows not only energy or commodities like water or, the, or gas or things like that to flow, but it also allows information about how that energy is being used and, you know, maybe ways of, you know, using that, that energy in, a, in a, a, smarter, a smarter way. So one of the things, one of the, the smart grid kind of 1.0 was was just to really see how energy was being used at the end, at the at the at the end use because traditionally with electricity you know someone actually came around in a car or truck and physically looked at your electricity meter once a month and they billed you for the total amount of electricity that you consumed what the smart grid 1.0 allowed was it allowed these smart meters to basically take snapshots about every 15 minutes or so so it it is a much higher granular amount of information about how energy was being consumed. And then as we have, as we got into the internet of things and further iterations of the smart grid, it allowed not only information to flow, you know, from where it's being consumed, but also to where it's being consumed in terms of, you know, maybe setting up thermostats to, you know, reduce energy use during certain parts of the day and things like that, or when times are more carbon intensive, lots of programs that allow things like that to happen. Why would these smart grids help to solve climate change? In the electricity sector, so you can't manage what you don't measure type thing, that old adage in, in business. And so if you don't know when electricity is being consumed necessarily, you're not going to be able to make any kind of prediction or be smart about you know, changing that necessarily. And as electricity grids in particular have more things like wind and solar, lower carbon sources of energy on the system, you know, that electricity is not being... Gen generally, that electricity, that lower carbon electricity is not being produced all the time. Solar is only being produced when the sun's shining. Wind's only being produced when the wind's blowing. And so if you can send signals to appliances that maybe don't have to operate at a specific time, say if you wanted to run your washing machine or your dryer during the time when there's more wind or solar on the system, you know, you can do that and, you know, the, the dryer will turn on whenever, you know, maybe the electricity is lower carbon. And so 
you can better align demands with production. And then that, that helps us, you know, meet all the energy services we want, warm water, clean clothes, et cetera, you know, we're using less carbon for the energy that it takes to actually get us there. Looking at the flip side of it, why would it not help to solve climate change or maybe where does it fall short? So I guess, so where it could fall short is you can have all of these data, but if you don't know how to make actionable, if you don't know how to take actionable steps with those data, then you can just have a bunch of data for, for data's sake. And so one has to take the, t- one has to, going back to the old adage, you can't manage what you don't measure. Just because you measure doesn't mean you're going to manage. And so, you know, if you, if you don't have the systems that are able to be, to be smart about that or that are able to ingest these massive amounts of data and, you know, do something useful with them, then you just deployed a bunch of, you know, fancy electronics that may not, might not do anything. Which there were some iterations of Smart Grid 1.0 that, that kind of happened, like a lot of data just got produced and not much was done with it. But, you know, as, as other companies and, and systems have gotten into that, into that game, they're, they're trying to be more proactive. But, you know, you have to actually do something physically. The, the, the data have to make a physical change for there to be, you know, a change in, in, in carbon emissions, which leads to a change in or, or climate outcomes. Thinking of all these stakeholders that are around these smart grids, who may benefit the most as this being a solution and then who may be harmed most with it being a solution? So those that, that stand to benefit the most from, you know, from these, from these data streams, being able to take, are, are those that are able to take the action associated with, you know, any recommendations or feedback from, from, these, from these data streams. So those generally, like, you know, the early adopters, the ones that are able to afford to buy the interruptible switches or the thermostats and things like that that would respond or, you know, lights that would turn off on their own or other other things like that so those that were kind of able to afford those 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 technology pieces i think were you know were were some of the ones that were able to to benefit the the most one of the early narratives about you know the smart grid was that you know just giving people information would kind of would change their behavior and generally we see that it kind of does for a little while but you know people kind of get bored with managing like something that's but you know that seems so trivial as you know turning off a switch or other things like that and so it's really those that were able to kind of invest in the the technology that lets it happen kind of in the background without them having to actively manage and think about it you know it th- th- those are the ones who who stand to benefit the most so one of the the fears of of this of the system of, of of these data streams would be that you know Insurance companies might be able to tell who has, you know, dialysis machines at home or who's having, you know, who's having midnight snacks or, you know, eating, opening the refrigerator at two, two, three o'clock in the morning, you know, being able to, to generate profiles of, of, of people that might be not doing the most healthy behaviors. And so, you know, could have their insurance premiums and things like that raised. That was why there was a there has been a very big concerted effort to make sure that these that these data are basically HIPAA level compliant, so that they're essentially put on the same on the same level as medical records and things like that. So if you if for instance if you want to share you know Google or Facebook or Amazon or any of these other big companies can't just get your data. If you want to get their services associated with your data stream, you have to sign that data over to them. It has to be. You have to opt in. You can't opt out, which I think was a important, important part 
that did make it harder for researchers like myself to to work with like anonymized data and things like that. But I mean, there's always that trade-off you have in terms of, you know, protecting privacy and things like that. So I think the the real thing is people could have been hurt with privacy issues. You explained how they work, but can you explain maybe how they are built, implemented, and then the data is recorded process? A lot of the the kind of smart grid 1.0, smart grid 2.0, 1.5, some somewhere around in there, it's fuzzy. A lot of it dealt, uh, was focused around the electricity meter. So that's the the physical piece of infrastructure that the electricity or the electric utility, you know, puts on the side of your house or is located somewhere in your building that is measuring the amount of electricity that's going, you know, into into your into your house. And, and some of those data there there's some local cache storage there and then, you know, at you know daily or so the those data would be sent back to the the electric utility and put in kind of and put into some sort of database associated with you know linking that electricity use pro linking those electricity use profiles to a particular service address or things like that and so that is kind of like a like a rough ballpark of kind of how you know how that was done but you know the limitations of that was you're just looking at the whole home consumption and so you don't know what's an air conditioner what's a refrigerator what's a you know what's a heater what's a microwave and so there were you know, there have been a lot of folks who have tried to do a bunch of disaggregation algorithms to figure out, can we take this, you know, this, this, this whole home stream of data and break it down into, you know, end use components using, you know, some machine learning techniques and things like that. And there's some, been some mild levels of success, you know, as the, as the whole home streams get more granular, it gets easier. So, you know, if you're talking about hourly data, it's pretty hard to do really anything with hourly 15 minutes better. You really need five or one minute data to be able to to really kind of break that part out and and move and and do any like you know kind of circuit level or sub circuit level analysis with with that. There are other companies and other other programs and other pilots that are you know that are looking to measure induced circuits directly. And a lot of times these disaggregation algorithms I talked about earlier are trained on these data, but you know, there are these other companies that, you know, they'll, they'll measure, they'll put little current transducers, which measures the flow of electricity over a wire, over a wire that's going to your refrigerator or the wire that's going to your air conditioner. And so it's measuring those directly. And so, you know, exactly when those are turning on and turning off. And, and then those, those data are generally for, for those types of devices, those are more consumer level electronic devices. And so those, you know, probably or should have some cash storage on the system itself. And then it's generally uploaded over the, over the homeowners or, or users internet connection and sent to some database somewhere in the cloud. And you mentioned uh, some of the innovation that's happened from 1.0 to 1.5 or 2.0, where yeah. we're, we're calling it. What innovation still needs to happen or maybe what policy needs to happen for this to be an effective solution? Unfortunately, I think we've kind of stopped at kind of just measuring a whole bunch of the data and we haven't really had a real concerted effort to make sense of kind of what's going on or to provide that 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 feedback. You know, just telling people what their energy use profiles look like or giving them access to their data is is great, but people, you know, the the average person generally doesn't can't make heads or tails of what, you know, their 15 minute interval electricity use consumption data are or what they're telling them that 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 is happening. And so you know, being able to, you know, to to better say, you know, you're using more electricity than your neighbor, you may want to, you know, in a or, or, you know, a home that's like yours, 
you know, you may you may want to consider increase, you know, investing in efficiency upgrades or things like that. I think I think there's a there's a lot of comparative analysis that could still be done on on pretty pretty base level electricity use consumption data that we're kind of missing out on. And it doesn't really even take the fancy stuff to do that. Even the the 1.0 and the 1.5 could, you know, could really could really do a lot of that. I think I think people are just finding it's a lot harder than they thought it mm-hmm. would be. What are some of the best resources to learn about smart grids and especially in relation to climate change? So a lot of the original funding for kind of the, the smart grid kind of 1.0 kind of came out of the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act. It was kind of one of the big tranches of funding that came out of the, you know, the the financial recession in 2008-2009 era. And so a lot of the first rounds of funding came came through that including funding for my for my research, my dissertation work, full disclosure. And so there were there were a lot of reports that kind of that kind of came out of of that one that kind of explained what it is, kind of how things were going. I wrote a few academic papers that I don't expect that many people to read, but in nature policy kind of or in energy policy about how you know how we were doing things in in Texas where I'm located, which is has one of the largest has one of the largest penetrations of smart meters across from across the states. But it's it's generally a lot of it's kind of moved into that you know the the latest kind of machine learning you know techniques and algorithms and supervised and unsupervised learning techniques that people are trying to use to you know make heads or tails kind of of this of this data. Right now, you're speaking to passionate students who want to actually solve problems like these. What top three skills should they study so that they actually have the ability to do so? Yeah, so it's really a lot of the you know, a lot of the machine learning techniques that are, that are, you know, pretty, you know, pretty popular kind of out there. So a lot of both supervised and unsupervised learning techniques, clustering analyses of these things. So some of the work that I, the early work that I did was, you know, clustering daily profiles for, for different types of homes and then using characteristics to try to predict like which home would be in, you know, which cluster. And so it basically, all that to say was, you know, to, to try to help predict, you know, which homes would be best served with receiving either energy efficiency upgrades or other or other types of things like that. Because, you know, the way that our current programs work is we we offer them to everybody, which in some level is, you know, it's a little more equitable, but there are certain, you know, homes that would benefit more. There are certain customer classes that would benefit more from some of these programs than than others. And so maybe when the idea was one idea, you know, to not necessarily not offer them to everyone, but to target those that would be the most, you know, beneficial or something like that. So, but to do all that, I mean, one has to, you know, be able to, one has to be able to manage to large data sets. So as class I teach at the University of Texas, I tried to call it too big to excel, but they wouldn't let me necessarily call it that. It's got some, some other more boring name, but it, but it generally, you know, with the joke being Excel can handle 1.8 million rows or something like this, we're talking about billions, if not trillions, by you know looking across the entire U.S. So high performance database techniques, being able to you know being able to handle these extremely large data sets, but not only read and store them, but be able to you know ingest and and use them. So whether that's you know all flavors of you know machine learning techniques come in come in handy here, and you know making sure you're you know up to date with the you know the most you know sophisticated you know mathematical modeling languages and things like that any final recommendations for the audience i think this particular space is one of the richest data sets out there 
And so I think it's it has the potential to make one of the biggest impacts if you know people can you know wrap their heads around it and and get it. So I mean, yeah, I'd encourage any anyone who's interested in taking on a su- a truly wicked problem to you know to to put their you know to consider putting some effort there because I think it could uh, could really make a difference. Let's practice our skills we have been learning with energy. Imagine a scenario where a city plans to integrate more renewable energy sources. Create a plan outlining how a smart grid can facilitate the integration, manage intermittency, and optimize energy distribution. Thank you for taking the How to Solve Climate Change course. If you want to learn the skills to solve this global challenge, join us for free at Plato.University for exclusive content, extra resources, and actionable exercises with every lesson. This course was produced by Plato University, where students turn passions into purpose and learn skills to change the world. Learn more at Plato.University.